0: This is another episode of the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about personal Bible reading habits, or why it's important to read the Bible both deeply and widely. I'm here with Josh White. Hey, Josh. Hey, man. How's it going? It's going well. Good. How are you on this fine day? I'm doing great. Excellent. Um, If you're listening to this, you are a leader at Door of Hope, most likely, and Josh White really... Needs No Introduction. Uh, He's the lead pastor at our church. Um, What's going on with you these
1: days, Josh? You know, it's been pretty mellow. It's just been really lately. I've just been focused on our time in the book of Acts, uh, enjoying my family in the holiday season. It's not so bad. I feel like church has been great. Staff's good. Family's good. Can't complain. Even my two puppies are cool. <laughs> even <laughs> even
0: the neurotic one?
1: Even the neurotic one. <laughs> um,
0: okay, this is sort of a random personal question that I didn't prep you on, but give
1: me, what's the best thing you've read this year? The best thing that I have read this year, I would say probably the best book that I've read this year it actually wasn't a mm-hmm. theological book. It was a book on how the brain works. I, called thinking fast and thinking slow by Daniel Kinneman. Mm. I think that that was the most insightful kind of aha moment book consistently, um, really profound on just how we make decisions and how our brain processes information, how not trustworthy our thinking is, mm. <laughs> It's an excellent book.
0: That sounds awesome. I haven't read it. Okay. Well, we should jump right in. Um, the subject is reading the Bible and what kinds of habits Christians, and especially leaders, should have as we think about reading it. Um, we're kind of using this, this grid of kind of two categories of interacting with the Bible. One is wide reading, and the other is deep study. Um, so first of all, just in your own words, why, why are both of these things important?
1: Well, I think that it's important to have both um, the ability to read through the scriptures in their entirety for an understanding of the overarching narrative and the the key themes of the scriptures. Uh, If you're only reading uh, selective passages for personal devotion and uh, even trying to understand a particular book, I think sometimes we can go so deeply and I definitely uh, fell victim to this in my early days as a Christian, where um, it would take years to go through the Bible once because I was so enamored with particular books. But when you read like that consistently, without reading moving quickly through the Scripture, you end up not getting the whole picture. It, things come out of context, and I think it it cre- c- can create dangerous theological grids. Uh, at the same time, uh, to only read. Uh, through the scripture uh, quickly and to not go deeply into it uh, can lead to a dryness and, and a loss of personal devotion. And I think uh, learning how to let the scriptures truly speak to where we're at each day is an important practice and discipline and Christian growth.
0: Yeah. One of the things I heard somewhere, uh, might, there might even be a book with this title. I should, probably should have referenced this before I started talking about it, but it's called uh, the hermeneutical or we'll just use the word interpretive circle. And basically the the point is that uh, every time you like really dive into a particular text, like and it's really easy to see with something a text that like directly relates to the gospel, though I think it could apply to any text. The more when you dive really deeply into that one and you figure out its meaning, that casts a light on the whole narrative of the Bible. You figured out a piece and that clarifies the rest. And in the same way, then you come to the whole thing and you've got a better picture and then you read the whole thing. And that's going to give you a greater meaning of an individual text that you come to. And it just, it's kind of like circling the drain. You're getting Mm -hmm. closer and closer to understanding the whole by both looking at the big picture and the small picture. And I think that's a really good metaphor and it's really helpful. Um, And so what we want to talk through is some ideas um, to kind of do both of those things to make sure that we're getting the wide, big picture, overarching narrative side and uh, figuring out how to be students with depth at the same time. And so I think maybe first, let's talk about the study aspect for, especially for pastors that preach, it becomes like hyper-focused, like probably a lot of your... More intense Bible study is in that context of preparing a sermon. Um, yeah,
1: you know, I have the advantage of teaching. Yeah, weekly, and so one of the best ways to learn a book is to actually be forced to teach it.
0: Totally, I often.
1: Uh, so I think uh, just to back up, I think those beginning steps and um, and having met with a lot of new believers at Door of Hope over the years, I think one of the first and most basic questions is what. Translation should I get? Mm. Uh, and I think it's good, good to address that. And I think for a yeah. study, if you're a new believer, I actually think uh, like an NIV Study Bible or a MacArthur Study Bible. There's a the ESV Study Bible is one of the best ones I think, mm-hmm. and I, I, I like it because it's a lot unlike like a MacArthur study Bible where it's just John MacArthur's thoughts on the scriptures. Uh, you can, be, you can get a very particular interpretive lens uh, mm-hmm. where I think the ESV study Bible um, and even the NIV there's, it's a whole group of of Bible scholars that mm-hmm. contribute to that. And I think typically like a different
0: scholar for each book correct, or yeah. for a couple of books
1: and they'll give you a good overview. And I, that's what I, I used an NIV study Bible when I first became a believer and it was really helpful because it explains the context of each book and the, the footnotes are just really helpful. Uh, but I think a, a lot of times when people trying to pick a translation, I, I do encourage people in the church to, um, we ge- we generally use one of two translations, which is the NIV or the ESV. Um, and I, I'm a victim of having moved translations multiple times. So I memorized everything in the new King James, <laughs> but now I read the ESV and sometimes I teach the NIV. So, and it's a bummer because whenever I memorize scripture, which is a part of deep study, um, I still want to go back to the new King James cause it's yeah. what I've memorized the most in. Yeah. So, uh, so I think early on picking a good translation that you can stick with a lot of times people go with really simple, uh, um, what's the, the living translation, new living, new yeah. living translation. And it, it's, it's good, but it's generally not one people will stick with. And so I, yeah. I, I would argue like get into one that the church is already using so that you're, studying the scriptures with your community in the same in the same text
0: and for those listening that might not know that much about bible translation philosophies there's kind of two two ends of the spectrum one is what you might call word for word they want to take the original text translate each word into its english counterpart and the f- more strictly you do that the more wonky english sentence structure gets the more f- literal your interpretation is that less smoothly it reads then the other is The other side of the spectrum is thought-for-thought, which is more we're going to try to get the sense of what the biblical author was saying, and we're not going to be so concerned with a direct one-for-one word representation. So
1: NIV is thought-for-thought, and ESV is word-for-word.
0: Exactly. And they kind of sit on those sides of the spectrum. But really, I would say both of those translations sit
1: somewhere kind of
0: in the balanced middle. Mm Mm-hmm. NIV leaning more towards thought for thought, ESV leaning more ter- toward word for word. And I think that's, I think that's why they're both really good translations is because yeah. they kind of, they kind of get the best of both worlds a bit. So,
1: and yeah. I think it's important uh, that people get hung up on translation. And I think it's important to remember that we're dealing with an inspired scripture. And I think that we forget the spirit's ability to transcend what we consider might be lost in translation. Yeah. Uh, that, you're going to be pretty safe if you just start reading your Bible. Yeah. Uh, even if there are some things that could potentially translation different translations, that your general understanding of the Scripture is going to generally land pretty close to the same place, yeah. as long as you're the important thing is that you begin reading it.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Well, this let's ask it this way. You know, when you're at your best and most focused, and I know this won't necessarily apply to everyone because not everyone's a lead pastor at a church, but when you're at your best, talk us through a couple of the steps or the main steps that you take when you open up a passage to study it for the first time.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, I I would just say that I am definitely a person that likes to explore different methods. I think part of it is just my temperament. I I can get bored with things, so – I generally will mix up how I read through the Bible um, and have done multiple things um, I think that uh, when it comes to study i I, I was really inspired by um, an early preacher uh, early 20th century preacher G Campbell Morgan uh, who was the pastor of Westminster in London uh, and he his method was that before you before you teach any particular book, the New Testament, to read that book in its entirety 30 times in a row. Well, so he wouldn't even outline a book of the New Testament or Old Testament unless he read it 30 times in a row. So he'd just read it over and over again, and then he would outline it, and then he'd begin to break it down. And, and I'm not that hardcore, but I, I definitely have found um, since I started Door of Hope, almost nine years ago, uh, that that method of re- re- reading the book over and over again, like as I've been reading, as I've been teaching through Acts and we're going to be in it for so long, uh, if I wasn't reading it in its entirety on a regular basis, it it would get out of context for me. So I like to, like the moment I finish reading through it, like I'll, I'm reading it at least once a week. Uh, and I think that that's a really helpful way a repetition. I mean, there's it's amazing how much we need to take things in over and over again for it to begin to even stick uh and for it to become useful uh to us, so so that's that's uh one component, so like not just rereading a p- particular passage but actually rereading the book and its entire the whole scope of yeah. what that
0: author was trying to do
1: yeah and so the first time I did that, I did that with the book of Romans. I read it once a day for thirty days in a row, it just as a private devotion it wasn't even when I was teaching through it, and it was so profound uh it just you realize that those letters were meant to be read in their entirety. And that actually um, my tendency to just read, you know, one little segment, like the theology is meant to lead to practice. We don't get to the practice until you're at the end of the book. And so uh, at just reading it over and over again was a really helpful way of studying, uh, both taking it in uh, the way, just the breadth of the book as well as getting into the depth. I think actually both was accomplished with that and you can do it in 45 minutes, like Romans, you can read in 45 minutes. And so, uh, not every book can you do that, uh, with, but I think that, uh, when we study the scriptures, I think that's good. If you're going to pick a book, take time to familiarize yourself with the whole book, um, before you begin to break down, uh, individual verses. And then, and then the other component for me has always been, um, and I'm better at this in seasons. I wish I was like just the Uber consistent guy (laughs) that memorized scripture every day, but I have found when I have taken time to memorize large chunks of scripture, like I've made it a a goal to memorize all of Jesus's major teachings. Um, and just to have that in your heart and mind that you can run it through your mind. And it's better than I think just memorizing a single verse, like to actually have an entire to be able to do all 119 verses of the Sermon on the Mount is a really profound yeah. uh, exercise. And the and the brain is muscle. You got to exercise it.
0: Mm-hmm. For those of you listening, uh, we keep mentioning this, but there is a handout that you'll be able to access from the same page. Probably where we are reading this at the Door of Hope website. Um, and there's, you know, of course, additional resources for more study and more ideas for how to integrate Bible study into your life. But we've got Kind of a, a simple method um that I'm not going to talk through in too much detail i just want to I just want to briefly cover it and and you can you can read a bit more and there are whole websites devoted to this method, but you know a lot of times people are asking like, okay, I want to study the Bible deeply, I want to really work hard to understand what's there, uh, but I don't know what to do and there's this simple like method that I was taught as a student that's People call it different names. Some people just call it the in inductive Bible study, heard it called the OIA method, but it comes down to three stages, observation, interpretation, and application. And, and the point is that if, if you get those things out of order, things can go wonky. Mm-hmm. So the first step is to simply like observe what's in the text and, and observations are simple, like declare it, writing down statements like Paul said this then he said this, then he said this, this leads to this. It's just, you're not making any interpretive jumps. You're just seeing what's there. Then you move into interpretation where you ask the question, what does this mean? And you probably have questions that are coming up like, well, how does this doctrine fit with this doctrine? Or doesn't this contradict this? Or, What areas of life does Jesus mean for this to apply to? And you start writing those questions down, um, and then you start looking for answers. And you Mm -hmm. can go to good Bible commentaries, consult sermons, the study notes in a study Bible. Um, You might bring in cross-referencing. I hope you would bring in cross-referencing from other biblical passages. And then once you've done that work of interpretation, then you move on to application application. What am I supposed to do with this? What did this biblical writer intend? How did they intend for my life to look differently on the other side of this? And so there's a lot more that could be said. I'd encourage you to read this little handout and then move on to uh, consult some other resources. But that's, that's one just way to conceptualize what do you actually do. And this is something that can be done more or less just with you, your Bible, and a notebook. And so there you go. Have you ever messed around with that? Method?
1: I have. I actually uh early on when I was a part of Calvary Chapel I was taught the inductive Bible study method and it was it was really helpful. And that's the thing, I think that there are so many ways of of tackling it. I think that the at the most basic level is just is understanding that it's God's word to us. And and which means it's really important that we take the time to take it in. I think people can get really overwhelmed with the length of the Bible. Uh, But I I kind of had this this philosophy when I was a house painter is I, I ran a company by myself and I would do these giant Victorian, you know, homes that were four colors. And and I would get really overwhelmed and anxious as I looked at the job, the scope of the job. Uh, and the, what I had to keep reminding myself is one wall at a time. And it ended up becoming the motto of my painting company, beautifying mm. the world one wall at a time. <laughs> and I think that the scripture is kind of the same way. It's that if you look at the scripture as a whole, it can become very overwhelming. But I think starting from at the moment you can, you're a new believer listening to this or one has been a believer for a long time, but just no discipline here. Just start. I think right now I'm doing a – I'll do a read-through. It's more than – it's usually like two to three times a year where I just read – I try to read five to ten chapters of the Old Testament and then five to ten chapters of the New Testament. And, I mean, you think about it, The scriptures read out loud at a slow-talking volume is 72 hours. Uh, that isn't that much time. Uh, so you you dedicate – 15 minutes to the bible a day you will read the bible in a year. Yeah. You dedicate an hour to the scriptures uh, a day you'll read the bible every 3 months. Yeah. Um and so I mean that's a, that's an inc- you, you can do an, inc- uh, an incredible amount of learning uh, and taking. And then I think the other key is that whether you're reading widely or deeply uh, is that is to bathe your time in the scriptures with prayer. Yeah. Is it constantly be communing with the Lord, Lord, the scripture promise it. And if you lack wisdom in James, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach. Uh, I think that that's a promise we should claim by faith. Uh, we're told that Jesus said, I will send you the, another helper, the Holy Spirit, who will teach you and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. He can't bring to remembrance what we haven't taken the time to put in our heads. Um, and so so i I, I think I maybe I'm a little out of the box as far as methodology because everyone's methods tend mm-hmm. to be different, and people are wired differently. I think the key is are you making time- taking time uh to read the scriptures and and are you allowing God the revelation of who jesus is to be to really come into focus in your yeah. heart, which is this is more than just reading a book, and if we approach it like a book, it'll just be dead in our hands yeah. uh, but when we really come to it with an expectancy that God wants to speak to us, uh, I think it can become a really powerful and beautiful habit.
0: Mm. That's well said. Um, what do you think are the benefits and dangers of Bible commentaries?
1: I think uh, Bible commentaries are dangerous for those who have uh, no knowledge in the scriptures because it's kind of like keeping the training wheels on Mm -hmm. and and i think commentaries are really helpful when you already have i think what commentaries are are people's um people's scholarly opinions about texts. And, uh, and that's important where constantly it's interpretations. Uh, the problem is that if you, people can get, and I, I went through this stage where I really leaned really heavily on commenta- commentators and at the convicting moment, I'd been a believer for like a, a, maybe a two years. And I went on this mission trip and I was talking with this guy and he goes, he stopped me. And he goes, Josh, it's amazing. You quote, you quote so many authors. It's amazing how how good your retention is," he goes. "The only problem is, is I have no idea what you think." <laughs> 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 and I realized that uh, I was living vicariously through the through the faith of others, uh, through through men and women that I respected, uh, and I wasn't allowing uh, myself to grow um, uh, and to to wrestle through the questions. I just would like if I had a question, the commentate a commentary makes it really easy to not have to think through it and wrestle through Mm -hmm. it. So I think it's really good. When I do my read throughs, I don't go to a commentary. Um, I don't go to a commentary for anything unless I'm teaching through it. Generally is my general rule of thumb. Um, and just keep reading it and rereading it. Uh, I, I, I am a little old school on that. I do think that probably the, the, the safest interpretation of scripture is generally the the plainest and, Mm. uh, there's a lot out there that's really good but not always helpful uh, and can quickly create a um, a grid uh, that is defined by a particular theological bent than just letting the Scripture speak. Yeah. But I do think commentaries are important. I think that they're healthy. But I think if you – I'd say start by developing the habit of reading. Don't worry so much about what you don't understand and begin to apply what what is direct and yeah. clear.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people will short-circuit the actual process of, of Bible study and really wrestling internally by just, they don't understand something, something's difficult, something's strange, so they just go to a commentary. Um, and they've sort of skipped over the part where God can actually work and challenge and move and speak and and work with someone in, in wrestling through those things. I remember the first time I was – a student leader at a church in high school, I was encouraged to get a bible commentary. It was the two volume Dallas Seminary Bible Knowledge Commentary. Walverd and Zook. Yep. I think that's how you pronounce their names. It's it's a good Bible commentary, but I remember like for a season thinking like, oh, these guys are gonna tell me what the Bible means. So for a time, my daily devotional, I wouldn't even read the Bible. I would just read the Bible knowledge commentary because I was like, why would I even waste my time with the Bible?
1: When I can just learn what it means.
0: They'll just tell me what it means. This is great. Uh, And then, of course, when the first time someone more mature than me heard that I was doing that, they told me not to do that.
1: (laughs) I mean, I had the same experience. I was really into uh, the Barclay Commentaries—they're really great commentaries. The problem, though, is that Barclay actually had some heretical ideas, yeah. and he's so compelling and so right on in mm-hmm. uh, on like the gospel. And but he didn't—he like didn't believe in the miracles, and he didn't believe in the virgin birth. And it would just yeah. like pop up. It's—he's it's, actually one of the most maddening of mm. uh, Bible scholars because people love his commentaries, but you have to have the maturity to know. And I think that we can become so dependent upon people that we can even be led astray. Uh, where I would much rather people take the scripture in and wrestle with it for themselves i i I think often that 's safer yeah um so and then really asking ask pastors, ask people that have been believers a long time like before you jump into commentaries, check out their uh how how they're they 're taken are they are they orthodox uh, yeah. there 's a lot written in in the name of Jesus that has very little to do with jesus
0: and and on that note. I think that is the best option: consulting someone you have a relationship with, a pastor, whoever. But there's a really good website that we link, we put at the bottom of the document called bestcommentaries.com dot com. That basically takes evangelical scholars' reviews and aggregates them, and then ranks commentaries on every biblical book, like according to which ones are best reviewed. And you can tell if it's devotional, pastoral, or technical, which means you probably need to know Greek or Hebrew to really not get lost in it. Um, and so that's a good thing to be aware of if you're if you're unsure of like, is this orthodox? Is this a good commentary, a bad commentary? Um, that's a good website to know about because, yeah, you, you might trust, oh, if someone's written a Bible commentary, they're probably a believer. Mm-hmm. You can't assume that. <laughs> you can't assume yeah. that they think Jesus yeah. is God. You can't assume they think God yeah. exists. You can't assume that they hold to the tenets of historic Christian orthodoxy um, and so that can be a pretty scary place to find yourself in when you realize in a bookstore anymore
1: like i mean it, solid orthodoxy will be next to full on heresy yep. There's they 're not separate yeah <laughs> they aren 't separated by this is orthodox and this is not <laughs> <laughs> yeah so
0: yeah so let's let 's talk for a sec about. Uh, kind of strategies for just wide reading. You've already mentioned, and I think it's really good, um, the fact that fifteen minutes a day for most readers will get them through the Bible in a year. An hour a day will get them through the Bible in three months or so. Um, I remember I I took this ESV journaling Bible that's been my main Bible for the last five or six years, and I just counted the pages of biblical text and divided it by three sixty five. And it turns out it was three pages, three pages a day. And so you can do that with your own Bible and like have a very clear, okay, I need to read three pages and makes it really simple to mm-hmm. stay disciplined. You don't have to have some sort of crazy reading plan or whatever. Um, so that's something I've done with with different Bibles. Um,
1: There's the one-year Bible that it breaks it all up for you. Yep. I think that the Bible Project is a really helpful thing with it. Cause they have a one year plan that also connects you with their videos as well.
0: Yeah. And we've got that in the document that the Bible projects plan is great because it, it takes you through the whole Bible. You get a Psalm every day to encourage your prayer life. Um, and then the explanatory videos, both introducing books and then introducing themes, mm-hmm. like kind of help keep you from getting lost when you're, especially when you're in books that you might not be that familiar with. Like, mm-hmm what is Chronicles and why did, why should I read this after I just read Kings? Right. (laughs) Tim will explain it to you. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And he'd tell you not to read it right after Kings. Yeah. He'll tell you that's the
0: wrong order. Uh, first of all, which is helpful. Um, and I think, I think it's, I think one thing that's important to say is that there's no like silver bullet for reading the whole Bible. Uh, there are many who have tried and failed. You know, it's, it's kind of a joke now that people have set out to to do that. I'm going to read the Bible in a year, and then they get choked out in Leviticus or something. Right. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning that it takes discipline. It's hard. There are stretches that um, even for mature believers who know the Bible well, like there are stretches that are kind of difficult and Sometimes, like, like things come up that you read that are kind of disturbing at first glance, right? And so, what Even advice? at would, a hundredth glance, yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who has has been in that position where they've maybe tried a couple of times and have been bogged down and haven't been able to push through?
1: Well, I think um, a method that's been really helpful for me for allowing me to take in big chunks of scripture uh, that I think is worth is worth exploring is really figuring out what kind of learner you are um some people are are really solid uh, uh learners through hearing uh and some are really solid learners through seeing and honestly we're all probably a combination of both of those things I think when you're dealing with this, some, a book that's really, uh, and I do this with a lot of like technical books or or larger books, if there's an audio book available of that book, in the the Bible, uh, like for example, Max McLean is probably the best, in my opinion, audio, audio Bible. Uh, yeah, but
0: have you heard the Denzel Washington version? I
1: have not. Um, I
0: think he did one.
1: Yeah, I know that that <laughs> the guy that does James Earl Jones did oh, the King James version. That's epic. But Max McLean's reading, uh, he is really good, and he does an NIV and an ESV, uh, and it, I think that they are around like seventy-two hours. And you know, one the one method I've tried that's really great because it just keeps you on task, is you can listen and read along at the same time. Yeah, uh, and it, it just keeps your mind focused. It's like just an extra if you're one that's easily distracted you might just need to, you need, might need the sound of the words being read and it can help you get through the really, and a lot of people don't try it. They think you either listen to the Bible or you read it. I, I actually would argue that doing both for some people is a great way to like kind of break through those barriers. Yeah. Um, because it's amazing when people aren't disciplined in reading, uh, how quickly our minds can drift. And it, part of that's just the culture. And we we live in and the quickness at which we take in information. So the reason that the Bible is difficult is because it, requir- it requires so much focus for so long. Um, and that's why you're still ending up with a huge percentage, if not a majority within the church that have not read the Bible in its entirety.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, that kind of transitions us uh, into the last thing I want to talk about, which is um, reading the Bible in community. You mm-hmm. know, at, at Door of Hope, we the, the community groups specifically are built around the Sunday Sermon and the text of the Sunday Sermon. So that's sort of a form of this, but I, I think what I have in mind is a little bit different. I know, Josh, you have done some things where you've taken a group of guys and, and tried to memorize the Sermon on the Mount or something, mm-hmm. or I think you said the, all of that discourse. or I, I,
1: I, I don't know what all you've done. We did but the upper room. I did it. A- with a group of guys the whole upper room discourse like yeah. John 14 through 17 it was really fun and we just we memorized a section each week and then i had each guy take turns teaching that section yeah um and we would go around and we have to prepare something mem- and then memorize it and it was fun not everyone succeeded but yeah many did <laughs> <laughs> I many tried yeah
0: and that's better than nothing yeah it is um So what are some things you've done as far as folding other people in and using that kind of as a – almost a discipleship opportunity? Um, So that's one, this memorization group. I know – I mean anyone who's been around Door of Hope for much time knows you've led Wednesday morning Bible studies, 30-day consecutive Bible studies. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways you've tried to fold other people into your your Bible – reading life
1: yeah i think uh i've also done uh just reading groups uh in the past i've gotten a gr- i took one group of guys who had never read the pentateuch mm. and they just hadn't read the old testament they were all new, rel- relatively new believers i took a group of six guys where every morning at 5 a.m <laughs> five days <laughs> a week we got together and i just read the pentateuch to them out loud and then I would teach a chapter out of the Gospel of John. And it was it was really awesome. We did it for, like, three months. It was brutal, though. I was so tired by the end of it. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I think that there are, that's a great way to do it, like getting groups together that just read the Scriptures together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even having groups where you're reading on your own, like treat it like a book club where you're just getting together uh, like once a week to hold each other accountable. Discuss Uh, what you've done. I know Evan's doing that Our worship Mm pastor is doing that with a group of guys where they're reading through the whole Bible and they, I think they've been going for six months or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, I think having that accountability and doing it with others is there's, there's this power kind of in every Christian discipline, whether it's reading the scriptures, praying together, studying together, uh, doing it with other people is, is a real key. I think we have a tendency to take our Christianity and make it too, too mystical, too personal, yeah. uh, mystical in a, in, in the bad sense of the word where, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes about this private relationship between you and Christ. And it, it is personal, but it's personal that leads us into community.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right. Last question there's one piece of encouragement advice or a challenge you'd give to say uh let's say a community group leader listening to this right now who's been like f- feels maybe a little bit discouraged about just their own engagement with the scripture lately what would you say to him shame
1: on you no, <laughs> 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 uh, i think that we need to all understand that god's he doesn't want us to read the scriptures cuz he's a taskmaster. He's not trying to give us a discipline that's meant to bore us or to overwhelm us if we really viewed it as God is excited to commune with us and the scriptures is is a key way in which he's revealed his heart and his mind to us. uh and that the living God, the creator of the universe. I think if we keep the gospel as the as the core and the foundation of why we read the scriptures is that it actually confronts us with the living Christ. It confronts us with our own brokenness and our need. And when you're feeling discouraged about your inability to read scriptures, once again, it's just another opportunity to cast yourself in humility at the feet of Jesus. Like even this Lord is just hard. Like every, I think the, the fall meant that even the study uh, of, of who God is and coming to coming into contact with them is done by the sweat of our brow. Uh, and so I think that, when you miss a day or you miss a week, it's like, you just have to begin again. And a part of the Christian life is just being willing to receive God's forgiveness again and again. And his mercies are new every day. Uh, and that you like any relationship, it, it's not going to improve if we avoid it. Yeah. Uh, and so if we view reading scripture as, as a development of our relationship or our intimacy with Christ, uh, I think that it has the potential of being extremely life-giving, but there are going to be seasons just like every relationship where a relationship is tested, where there can be a dryness in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it, in those times we just have to continue to push, push through. And that's where community can be really helpful. Uh, but I think that Bible reading is not meant to produce guilt yeah, and the Lord is not, or, or I should say, it's not meant to produce shame. Uh, it can produce guilt when it confronts us with real sin. Uh, And even Paul said, I wouldn't know what sin was if I didn't know the law, which meant he knew the scriptures. Um, And so I think that it's important uh, that it becomes a plumb line from heaven that reveals it it can't make the wall straight, but it can reveal how crooked it is. And that's a good thing uh, because it shows us our need uh, for the living Christ.
0: Well said, my friend. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Josh, thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for your leadership at our church. Yeah. Thank you, Pam. You do. Amen. Yeah, All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hope this was helpful. There will be more. Thanks. Bye. Bye.